Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Yes, welcome to Talk Zone. Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, where we attempt to inspire, motivate, and challenge you to live and work with purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom, and once again, my co-host is Zeke Bambolo, the author of The Firstborn Son. Hey, Zeke, I got it right this time. And uh, how are you, my friend? I am good, man. It's been a busy, busy week, but I'm good. I've been, uh, we just... Besides the book, we just recently finished editing and producing and uh, fully uh, have our seminar content ready, and we are working hard to get those in front of uh, corporations um, and saying, hey, why don't you do it? You know, we invest in sales seminars and uh, work behavior seminars and all these things, but uh, they – Economists say that people leave companies. Not, I mean, money is is lower on the, li- on the list of reasons people leave. People leave because of personal issues. So why not take much, take more time to invest in your people? So we've been busy just running around and getting to meet with companies and seeing how we can uh, come in and present those seminars. Excellent. Does that mean that I will have to give you a raise here in the next few weeks? Man, you know, I would take that in IOUs if you want, but go ahead and do that, please. <laughs> well, we'll have to dig into the, uh, the mystery motivation with a purpose bank account and see what we can't come up with. Hey, I have a question with, uh, for you this morning, Zeke. Uh, your favorite Christmas gift that you ever received since we are about 11, 11 days away from, um, from, uh, that very, very important and faithful day, Christmas. Wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. You know, and I'll put, I'll preface it this way. I am not really big on birthday or Christmas gifts in general. It's just never been a big thing for me. But man, I will tell you that the, my, my most favorite Christmas gift, no doubt, number one, is receiving my wife's commitment to marry me because I, 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 I uh, proposed to her on uh christmas eve and uh spend christmas day with full knowledge of, hey i'm gonna have a wife yes. excellent now <laughs> hey now that is a real christmas gift for one for one person's heart to be given to another person's heart yes. and that's kind of and that is definitely going to be part of what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about forgiveness and grace and how sometimes that can be in short supply, even in the midst of the holiday season. And if well, I well, had... well I got, I've got to interrupt you now. You can't do that to me. You got, you ask him the question. I've got to ask you the question back. It's only fair. What is your most favorite Christmas gift? I would have to say, and this is going back. This is going back a ways. I was about uh, ten years old, man. So this can't this can't compare to your famous Christmas to your favorite Christmas gift. But I got to. I got to just talk about it because it's a great story and it's uh, similar to, um, you know, a lot of people just have favorite memories that just kind of stick with you. I would have to say that I was about 10 years old and uh, I got I got one of those all newfangled at that time, Evil Knievel stunt <laughs> sets. 
<laughs> you know, where you could, you know, rev up the bike, you know, hand yeah. powered and all that kind of stuff and, uh, you know, put the whole thing together. That's when, that's when he was big before the Snake River thing, uh, went awry. But I have to say that's one of my favorite Christmas gifts of all time. You know, I, I mean, we did everything, we did everything to that poor evil Knievel, uh, <laughs> set. I mean, we, we did everything but set it on fire. Oh I, man. I have. I wish I'd known I, this. I didn't know you were such a big Evil Knievel fan. You know, I, I went to school in Evil Knievel's, uh, kind of a hometown, Butte, Montana. You know, he had a little place out there, you know? Yeah, I, I know. And you know what's interesting about, what's interesting is about, about his story is that he kind of remade himself in later years and became a very well-known artist before uh-huh. his passing. So, uh, just another example of how, uh, God works things and we remake ourselves and we can, we can keep a- accomplishing things no matter at what stage in life we are. And, uh, that once again also leads into our topic today of forgiveness and grace and how sometimes that can be in short supply, even in the midst of the holiday season. A very, very festive time, uh, you know, Christmas and Hanukkah and all the, the presents and all the things that we see out there. Well, today, Brian Reese from New Grace Church in Bellevue, Washington is going to be our very special guest as we have a Christmas story edition of Motivation with a Purpose for you today. We want to remind everybody, you can always find us on TalkZone.com, the talk channel. Every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Look for us on Facebook, MWP Radio AM, and on Twitter, MWP Radio Man. And uh, Zeke, I have another present for you. Surprise this morning. Motivation <laughs> You're with full a, of them. Motivationwithapurpose.com is back on the air and up yeah. and running on the Internet so they can see our smiling faces on the brand new site, motivationwithapurpose.com. Go there, check out some legacy shows, check out the uh, history of the show, see when we started way, way back when. The show's been on for about three years in different forms. And uh, you can check out the legacy of the show and check out how much we've improved over those three years. And God has graced us with some excellent guests and motivating stories along the way. Check us out once again at MotivationWithAPurpose.com. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our very special guest, Brian Reese. He's a founder and lead pastor of New Grace Church in Bellevue, Washington, Brian is a gifted communicator and teacher and enjoys making biblical truths come to life in practical ways for people of all shapes and sizes and colors. God has given him a passion and a vision to see the people in his community, city, and region meet Jesus personally and become fully devoted followers of Christ. We're going to find out more about what that all means on today's show as we come up on Christmas and celebrate that whole time of year. Brian and his wife, Twee, live in their new house in Renton, Washington, and enjoy spending time with each other and their church family. We welcome Brian to the Motivation with a Purpose microphone. Hi, Brian. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Are we uh, we clearly connected? 
Yes, we are clearly connected through the miracle of uh, technology. Amazing. Well, we are. Uh, I'm doing well this morning and uh, enjoying the rain, as always, in Seattle and uh, getting ready for the holidays as we're just a few weeks away. So uh, thank you again for having me on the show. Hopefully I can be a blessing to all your listeners, and uh, we can talk about all the things pertaining to Christmas, forgiveness, grace, and truth. And it is a topic that can be discussed for hours. I know we have a limited time, so you let me know. We'll get right to the questions that would help the listeners the most. Well, Brian, let me uh, jump right into it then. How can we show more forgiveness and grace in our lives, especially in the midst of all the holiday turmoil? Yeah, well, I don't know about you, but for me, holidays can always be uh, uh, enjoy. They can be a time of fun and, and fulfillment, or they can turn quickly to a time of frustration. And as we approach the holidays and, and uh, with all the busyness and the sales and the Black Fridays and the shopping experiences that so quickly turn to anger, finding the parking spots at the mall, um, you know, we can forget the real reason of why we celebrate Christmas. We can forget the real reason of why we are spending time with family. And, and I think as we, as we talk about forgiveness today, it's important to understand that, you know, relationships, you know, are what we have for the here and the now. And, and, and as we approach time with family, although some of them can be very frustrating, uh, relationships are all we have in this world. And it's important to understand that these relationships we have can either be a blessing or they can either uh, cause frustration. And I think one of the key ingredients to a relationship is understanding how to, how to walk out this idea of grace and how to walk out this idea of forgiveness. And as we approach those topics and live those, those principles out of forgiveness and grace, uh, we can actually have a, a, an enjoyable experience over the holidays despite, uh, the irrit- irritations that many, uh, Many people can cause this throughout the holidays. Brian, uh, again, thanks for being on the show with us here. This is Zeke, and I, I, as you talk about, you've chosen the word grace for uh, the, the name of your church, there, which is very phenomenal, and I'm hopefully you will dive into that a little bit more with us later. Yeah. But as you described that, that this scenario just now with Christmas and us being a culture right now where it's so, it's so frequently, in fact, I was listening to a, sh- a little show yesterday, um, and the uh, fellow on the show is describing that uh, him and his wife end up going in different directions family-wise on Christmas Day because there is friction, obviously, on either side of the family. And, and, and I, for one, cannot imagine myself being apart from my immediate family on Christmas. But we've come to a place where it's okay as a culture to make these, to make these choices of cutting this person off or rejecting it. And, and so on Christmas Day, it becomes a bunch of, I mean, I think we just, we've, we've gone a whole other level on understanding what you just described in terms of the relationship component and how important that is. So what is, I mean, as we talk about that, what our culture thinks, how we, the different ways we address in families that we don't want to see or don't want to contact with or be a part of because they irritate us. I mean, how do you approach that, especially with that word grace as a, a key component in your life? Yeah. Uh, you know, here's what I would say about that, because, you know, there are always people that can um, cause irritation, right, whether it's a, a mother-in-law or a, a father-in-law or a distant relative, uh, depending on, on what uh, what bothers you the most. But um. You know, the word grace 
uh, best defined is uh, undeserved kindness. You know, we live in a culture where kindness many times is the forgotten principle of life. And I think as we approach the holidays, as we approach spending time with family, especially with people who kind of rub us the wrong way, when we remember what Jesus, and for me, I'm talking in the context of being a Christian, someone who follows Christ, for me personally, when I remember who I was apart from my relationship with Jesus and the undeserved kindness that he showed towards me, that's my motivation. As we talk about motivation with a purpose, my motivation and purpose behind continuing to to give undeserved kindness at times to family and friends, especially around the holidays, my motivation for doing that is Jesus doing that for me. And so I would say apart from that, it is at times difficult to live a grace-filled life if your your life is not centered and been found by the person of Jesus. And so uh, everything that I do, uh, whether it's naming our church, New Grace, we started our church about a year and a half ago in the city of Bellevue. It's about 125,000 people, but within a, a, a five-mile radius of where we hold our services on the weekend, there's about 200,000 people. Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with Seattle who are listening right now, about 3% of, of the people who call Seattle home uh, would, would also call themselves religious in some sense. So there's a lot of people who don't go to a religious service, who don't uh, have an expression of faith. And so when we discovered this opportunity to start a church, to reach people who don't like church, who don't know Jesus, who just want to come as they are and find a place to belong to before they have to believe a particular way, uh, we came up with the name New Grace. And one of the things, um, how we got to that, that name was a scripture where it says, Behold, all things have become new. And then there's another great scripture that where it talks about how Jesus, in John chapter 1, grace and truth came with the person of Jesus. And so we decided that everything we did as a church community, as a, as a community of faith, would be centered on the person of Jesus. And so if Jesus is grace personified, grace in the flesh, then what better name to call our church than new grace? Behold, all things have become new, and Jesus would be the center of everything we do as a community of faith. And that's kind of where we landed on the name New Grace. So, Yeah, and to follow up with that, I mean, you've done obviously a, a very eloquent job of, of expressing that grace and what that God-filled grace that uh, unmerited favor looks like. But let, I want to kind of follow up that question as well that I asked you previously with this. Uh, for those, you know, I, I have a tendency in my mind, and I don't want to lead you per se, but in my mind, I have a tendency to say when we become, to, we come to this place of being adults and we have control, I think a lot of people want to, because I spent a lot of time talking about multiple generational legacy in my talks and so forth and in my writings. And a lot of people feel like they kind of don't have control of the situation even so for those who aren't christians per se who may not quite understand yeah. grace or even have made that extra step to say you know what because of christ and what he's done for me i the i have to put myself in a place that he has put i mean what he's put himself for me and so i'm, I'm gonna overlook some of these things and i'm gonna make myself available to these to my family because you know what Christ demands that I do that. He commands that I do that and show that, that favor and that love. But for those of us who aren't Christians, I mean, I look at this whole thing and say, well, aren't we adults who have a better position, we're in a better position to control those things that impact us adversely and still be able to create some relationship? Even if we're not Christians, is that possible? What is your view? 
Well, you know, here, here's here's the the ultimate uh, false, uh, uh, you know, I would say dogma is that the ultimate uh, illusion in this life is control. Okay, mm. whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, um, I think in every person there is a an, a hidden control freak waiting to come out, especially if you would consider yourself a leader. And, and I think control is the ultimate illusion, because we, uh, sometimes the harder we try to control a situation, with whether it's talking about the holidays with family and friends or a boss that we don't like or a fellow coworker that just rubs us the wrong way, the more at times we try to control situations, mm-hmm. the actually worse it gets, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. And, uh, you know, there's a few practical things that I think... Uh, I was recently me- meeting with a a couple and, and uh, doing some some uh, some marriage counseling with them. And one of the keys I told them that was this: it's very simple, it's very practical. As I said, this keep short accounts, mm-hmm. keep short accounts. And by keeping short accounts, I mean hey, don't keep the laundry list, right? Don't get out your your your, uh, your computer and keep a diary of all the things they've done wrong and hurtful towards you. And if we can learn to keep shorter accounts, by, by that I mean, hey, if something hurts you, something uh, offends you, something bothers you, go to that person. Talk to them about it. You know, and, and most people don't do this because most people don't want conflict, especially around the holidays. But you know what I've discovered? As we approach relationships with honesty and at times allow conflict to arise and try to resolve that conflict, that helps us as people, as individuals who are human, uh, emotional, and at times unstable. It helps us to keep short accounts. And by keeping short accounts, it means that a year from now, when you uh, see that person again, you're not going to be thinking and bringing up the stuff they did five years back. And, and that's the greatest way, I think, the most simplest form of, of, of forgiveness and walking in grace towards people who have rubbed you and hurt you the wrong way uh, by not keeping uh, long accounts, but keeping short accounts, and, and stop keeping score. My wife and I always say, let's not keep score. It's not about a competition. It's not who's winning, and it's not who's wrong or who's right. Uh, you know, it, it's about uh, walking with forgiveness, walking in grace, and especially over the holidays, which are stressful enough in themselves. <laughs> And you just talked about something that I find very interesting, you know, keeping keeping score and keeping account and all the and all those things. Where did we get that misconception from that that keeping accounts would somehow be beneficial and keeping that score would be beneficial? Um, Well, you know, I I think I think it makes the it satisfies uh, something inside of a person kind of keep a score, right? I mean, we're, we're in culture, we're, we're taught from a young age that, that whoever wins is most important. Whoever wins is most significant. So whether we're talking about the baseball game or, uh, for me, the Seahawks game this Sunday, which I'm hoping that we're going to win uh, so that we can get the wild card slot for the playoffs, uh, whether it's uh, a relationship, you know, we, we all want to win, right? We all want to be the winner. And this whole idea of keeping score, though, is detrimental to healthy, long-lasting, thriving relationships because eventually we're all human and we all make mistakes and we all struggle with certain particular aspects of life. And so eventually we will hurt someone, we will offend someone, and if we keep score of all those things, although they might make us feel good, 
they're going to be detrimental to having a healthy relationship with that particular individual. And, and, and that's why keeping score can be such a, 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 a negative when we're talking about relationships, when we're talking about life-giving, you know, relationships that you enjoy and look forward to. I don't know about you, but I don't like having dinner with people who, who rub me the wrong way. I don't want to go to dinner with people like Rich, who we can laugh, we can enjoy life, we can tell stories. But, you know, if I always kept track of everything that Rich did that bothered me, that is going to hinder the level of relationship that we will have with one another. And, and really, at the end of the day, uh, another practical tip for me that I use is I, I call it getting a good mirror. And uh, not only do I not keep score or keep, I try to keep short accounts, but I always get a good mirror. And by that, I mean I look at myself and go, listen, I'm not perfect. And when you, when you realize the reality that you're not perfect as a, as a person, I make mistakes as a human being. I'm not always right in how I approach relationships. That allows me to go, okay, maybe the same way that people have given me grace or have extended kindness towards me in response to me not being perfect, maybe I should respond to other people in that same way. We'll be back with more from Pastor Brian Reese, Brian Reese of New Grace Church on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this time out. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose on TalkZone.com. I am Rich Dahlstrom along with my co-host Zeke Bambolo. Our guest for today's show is Brian Reese, pastor of New Grace Church. And Brian, my next question to you is, when did you first realize that keeping new, keeping short accounts and uh, not holding things against others was the best way to go? Well, Rich, uh, I would probably say uh, I'm I'm a, a young at heart, and I'm also young at young at age. I'm 32 years old, been married, going on seven years, and uh, the greatest uh, the greatest discovery I learned in marriage uh, was, was not keeping a long account of rights and wrongs, and and uh, nothing like having a, someone live with you day in and day out and seeing the good, the bad, and at times, uh, yes, even as a pastor, there's ugly. And, uh, and I'm thankful for a wife who, who keeps short accounts for me, but I'll, I'll never forget one of our first, what I like to call heated discussions, uh, aka we were having an argument. And, uh, I remember, uh, uh, I was doing something foolish because I'm always wrong, uh, at least according to, uh, to my wife. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, she was walking out the door. And I remember I thought, this is not how this is supposed to go. Uh, in the midst of our heated discussion, she's leaving and I'm standing there in our kitchen going, Okay, I, I think um, I think this isn't exactly what it's supposed to look like, and I remember thinking because the, the discussion was hinged on stuff that had happened previously, had nothing to do with stuff that was happening in the present. It was things that had, we had what I call we stuff, right? We take emotional hurts or uh, things that have bothered us and we stuff them deep inside, and eventually it's like a volcano. And it doesn't take a lot to have that volcano explode. Usually it's just a quick, brief, heated discussion, and out comes all this stuff that we've stuffed inside of us. And so that conversation, I realized something about life. Life is, first of all, too short to 
keep long accounts of all the things people have done to hurt us, uh, and also relationships, uh, especially for me at that moment in that context with my spouse, my life partner, um, life is too short for that relationship to be hindered based on me keeping an account of all the things I supposedly thought my partner had done to hurt me. Brian, um, we, we're going to hear in our next uh question I just have to just lead to the uh, I want to lead you to the, to the contrast there for us of grace and forgiveness but before we do that as you were just describing even that with short accounts uh, I'm pretty sure you've heard many times the concepts of self-imprisonment because of a lack of forgiveness of others can you touch on that you know that context uh, and what and what that to, to you what does, what does that mean because you know when we fail to forgive believers or not it is us who are most constrained or restrained in that process isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think I think there's some false views of what forgiveness really means, right? Uh, I mean, one of them off the top of my head is forgiveness means that pretending nothing happened. You know, and when we try to unlock this idea of forgiveness, we make it more complicated than it truly is. And and uh, but if we think that forgiveness means pretending nothing happened, we will always be in that that prison of I don't know if I can actually forgive this person. Because we think, oh, unless I can forget it all and pretend like they never actually said that or did this that, that deeply at times hurt me, uh, I can't forgive them. And, and that's not really actually true. Forgiveness also doesn't mean that we give a, a never-ending series of second chances, right? And, and, then, and then another, I think, false view, which keeps people in that prison of not being able to forgive people, is that we believe that there's no consequences for people who have hurt or done wrong and that's not, that's simply not what forgiveness means. And another, another thing that I hear a lot, whether it's, uh, when I'm doing counseling or talking with people who attend our church or just people who I just do life together with who aren't Christians, who are just normal, average Joe people, is they think that forgiveness means that you get to go back to a, what I would call, a original, right standing relationship like it was before. And here's the thing I've learned about life in my 32 years that, that trust is earned over a lifetime, but it can be broken very quickly based on one decision or one uh, hurt. And in, when you're talking in the context of forgiveness and grace, grace, unmerited, undeserved kindness, and that word forgiveness is simply not holding that hurt against the person, but that doesn't mean that we're not ever going to forget it. There are things that have been, uh, that I've experienced in my life uh, where I, I will always remember, but I've chosen to not hold those hurts against those people so that I can continue to thrive, not necessarily in those original relationships, but with new relationships with people. Because people may not be aware of it, but unforgiveness against other people doesn't just hinder that relationship, but that unforgiveness can actually hinder other relationships outside of the context of that hurt, that pain, that emotional stress that they experience through that other person that they haven't been able to forgive yet. And so forgiveness is a, is a, a vital part of our life as a human, right? Because there's going to be hurt. There's going to be ups and downs. And if we can learn to quickly respond with what I call humility, that means you basically go to them and say, hey, I'm sorry, I hurt you. Will you forgive me? And then that person hopefully will respond with, yes, 
and they may remember it the rest of their life, but the, the idea with forgiveness is that they don't hold it against you. You know, it's like the uh, what I call in the ju- judicial system, for those of you who have ever been arrested or been ever been in traffic ticket court, um, it, it's like the judge wiping your judicial record clean. And so they don't hold your traffic tickets against you when your insurance company goes to price out your insurance. It's like your record is absolutely clear from all tickets, which will affect, obviously, the prices of your insurance. But the idea is that it's not held against you any longer, any further. Brian, how can I know that I've forgiven someone? Because it's really easy for people to say, I forgive you. But to actually practically do that, uh, is there some kind of a a self-checklist or... You know, something that we can do as individuals when we say to someone close to us or someone we don't even know that, hey, I have forgiven you and we can be sure that we have done that. Is there a way to examine ourselves? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's a variety of, of, uh, of tools I think that the Bible gives us uh, for, for daily living and, and, um, there's also a variety of ways to approach the idea of how do I know I've truly forgiven this person? How do I know I've, I've actually let go of this issue or this hurt or this emotional, uh, you know, trauma that I've experienced in this relationship? And one of the greatest indicators for me as an individual, not only as a, not, not just a Christian, but as a person, as a human being here on this planet Earth, uh, one of the greatest indicators I know for me when I'm truly choosing to walk out forgiveness is that I don't have the desire for revenge. And, you know, I don't know about how you guys are, but I know for me, when someone hurts you, the normal response is to want them to experience that same kind of hurt back. Yeah, you know, it I sure is. Tr- right? I mean, we just, someone says something to you or someone treats you wrong, you're like, I hope, <laughs> I wish, uh, or I hope I can be the answer to my own request that I can hurt right. them just right. like you they s- hurt me. Yeah, right. You start dreaming up ways of uh, yeah. seeing how you can you can do things. Yes, especially over the holidays. You know, you maybe you had a, a an irritating conversation with a loved one that you're going to see and you haven't seen for months, and you just are dreading the fact that you're going to have to see them. And you're hoping at the same time that you'll have an opportunity to just show them what's really going on. And, and the reality is that when you walk in forgiveness, that desire for revenge, or what I call wanting to hurt them like they hurt you, I know that when I'm truly walking in forgiveness and giving them grace, which is undeserved kindness, the reality is that person hurts you, but grace is undeserved, so they don't really deserve it because they were, they were mean, they hurt you, but you give it anyways, undeserved kindness. I know that when I've forgiven someone, I don't want to take revenge. And so when I'm dealing with a uh, my spouse or loved ones or family friends or just friends in general, a coworker, a boss, uh, an employee, I know that when I'm truly walking uh, in a right relationship with them in the context of forgiveness and grace, when they hurt me, I don't want to hurt them back. And I think that's a very practical way that we can discover whether we're truly walking out this principle of forgiveness, especially over the holidays, because it's normal. That's the reality. It's normal to want someone to experience the hurt in how they hurt you. 
Gentlemen, I got I got to jump in here, uh, and Brian, you know, stay with me here. But you know, we've used yeah. some very key words in these in this short time of conversation that people need to really grab onto and get the get the essence and the substance of what these words are meaning. You already used the word choice, very important in this process. We've been talking about forgiveness. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about grace, but it's a word that a lot of people sometimes people confuse, and that's mercy. You know, mercy yeah. too is a very important, it's a very key word in this whole conversation. In that mercy, if I understand correctly, between difference in the grace of mercy is that mercy says hey you know what we know that person deserves something but again back to that word of choice they deserve that place but back to that word of choice where god says i'm gonna give you unmerited no matter what you you don't deserve nothing you don't you know i'm gonna give it to you anyway mercy says you know i know for a fact you deserve this but i'm choosing not to is that correct am i, am I getting this in the right context as well yeah absolutely and i think mercy is is a, is a it's like the the other side of the coin, right? Uh, and I think mercy is is a, an aspect of life where uh, you know. And for those of you who who aren't Christians, but for me, I still think it's a uh, it, it's a powerful scripture. And the the Bible declares in in a particular passage that uh, God's mercies are new every morning, right? And as a Christian, I understand that I don't live a perfect, uh, sinless life. I, I I am far from it. And what I love about God is that He gives us a second chance every day by the quoting the scriptures his mercies are new every morning and i'm very thankful for that so once again my motivation my purpose in response to living a a a, a life that just enjoys relationships versus having them be a, a something i don't look forward to especially over christmas and the holidays uh, i remember that mercy and so in response to, to making a choice because Life is made up of a succession of choices, right? You choose this, you choose that. You choose to forgive, you choose not to forgive. And by remembering the mercy that I've been given, I choose. I make a choice, a willful decision of my heart to to grant mercy and grace to people that I'm in relationship with. And, and wouldn't it be incredible, guys? I mean, what we're motivating people to do on this show today with this kind of discussion and the, and the, the, the knowledge and the heart of Brian here. Look, people, wouldn't it be incredible if you could indeed provide and give that, you know, we're talking about grace and mercy this Christmas season, this opportunity to kind of show a, a lot of mercy that has been given to us, that we can pass that forward to those that we know a lot of times, do not deserve the mercy, but we can choose to pass that for. I think that's extremely powerful, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what better example to give, especially, you know, maybe you're a parent out there, right, and, and you've experienced some deep hurt from a relationship that you know you're going to see in, in less than two weeks. What greater example than we, than we can give to our children than to walk out this idea of grace and mercy and uh, I, I think there's no better example than a parent to a child seeing them interact with someone. And, and listen, we all understand this. Children are aware when their parents uh, have strained relationships, whether it's with each other as a, as a husband and a wife or a partner and a partner or a relationship with a, a relative. Children sense that. And as a parent, we can walk out this idea of forgiveness and mercy and grace and actually impact the next generation by them seeing a proper example versus experiencing something that, that really doesn't line up to long-lasting, healthy, life-giving relationships with people. 
Yeah, I think okay. sometimes too. I think sometimes we throw that out there though. Before you jump in the race, jump right after me. But I think no sometimes problem. we throw no that problem. out there, and we do not say, we do not articulate clearly what we're doing, and people don't even catch the fact that we are trying our hardest to offer to give that mercy and grace. So I think it would do a lot of help to people out there. Hey, be expressive. Let them know. This is what's going on because you don't want them to miss that opportunity. Too sad for them to miss an opportunity. So articulate clearly. This is why I'm doing it. This is why I want to do it. This is how I'm doing it. And you know what? I've made a choice. Not for anything you can do. I've made a choice. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent points there, Zeke. I want to follow up, Brian, and ask this question. What comes first? In what order do we need to do these things? You know, we've talked about We've talked about three different things that are all connected to to one another. Grace, forgiveness, and mercy. So in what proper order do we need to have those things so that we can succeed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, th- I think it depends on, on uh, in the context of what we're talking about. For me personally, uh, my story, uh, uh, you know, growing up in a Christian family, and at 11 years old, I got diagnosed with an incurable disease called Crohn's. And what that is, is a, uh, it's an autoimmune disease that affects your intestinal tract. And uh, long story short, uh, at, at uh, 11 years old, very, very sick. Uh, and throughout my high school career, uh, I probably missed at least a year, a year of high school being in and out of the hospital. And at wow. that time, which is, yeah, it was, it was a very significant and, and, uh, about three times almost dying. Uh, I mean, basically what happens is inflammation gets throughout your entire stomach and intestinal tract and then you can't eat and then you lose weight. And then, you know, and imagine being a young kid, right? Uh, it's already uh, bad enough that you're new to a school. I was going to a brand new school, but then you got something wrong with, with your intestines, right? And no one wants to talk about, you know, I can't go to the bathroom or I can't eat. Uh, especially as a young junior high and high school student. And so uh, what happened for me was I began to turn my back towards my relationship with God and actually became the, what I, <laughs> the local drug dealer at our private Christian school. And uh, that continued throughout high school. And at 18 years old, I had my first run-in with the law. And uh, long story short, I remember sitting in a jail cell and uh, 18 years old going, how did I get to this place? Uh, especially being raised in a, in a really pretty strict religious family. And the Bible says this, there's a still small voice. That's what the voice of God sounds like. And for me, I heard this still small voice and, and, and only how I could hear it. And, and it was these words, uh, I've never left you. And I felt like that was God talking to me going, I've never left you. You turned your back towards me. And to me, that is the perfect picture of, of grace and mercy and forgiveness all wrapped up in one. And from that experience, I had a drastic turnaround where uh, about a year and a half later, uh, I was actually in a hospital room, very, very sick, uh, dealing with all of the legal issues of my uh, bad decisions, my choices, as Zeke would say. Uh, and uh, I was actually on death's door. Uh, I had been in the hospital 27 days. Uh, I'm six foot. And I was down to 102 pounds. So you can imagine, um, I looked, uh, I looked like a concentration camp survivor. I looked like I'd been in a POW camp and Louie had not eaten for, for almost a month. And so they were going to put a feeding tube in, 
um, they actually called um, the pastors at the church that I kind of wasn't really attending because I wasn't into the whole God thing. And uh, the pastors came to right. uh, my room, prayed for me, and I had a miraculous turnaround. And from that day forward, about a week later, I was discharged from the hospital. From those days forward, I have never been sick again. And that was at 20 years old. So I'm 32. For, t- for 12 years, I have now been living pain-free, uh, no Crohn's in my body. The doctors are still amazed to this day. And I give all glory to God, uh, who, who performed a miracle in my life. And so when I look at the idea of forgiveness, um, it, it, it's a perfect picture that I was doing everything but interested in God, selling drugs, uh, living a wild life, turning my back towards what I knew to be right. And, and when I talk in the context of relationship with Jesus, and in spite of that, he gave me grace, he gave me mercy, and he did a miracle in my life. And to this day, I stand before you now as a pastor uh, leading a church in walking miracle. And when I think of grace, mercy, forgiveness, it's like one awesome Christmas present all wrapped up in one. But I will say this, I experienced what it was to be forgiven first by Jesus, and in response to that, I'm able to do that with other people. And so to me, it's the ultimate Christmas gift that you could give to a family or a friend or a coworker or, or is this idea, it's this principle, it's this life-giving principle of forgiveness and unmerited grace, which is kindness towards them. When people don't deserve it, you give it anyways. We will hear more from Brian Reese about the grace and power of God on this edition of Motivation with a Purpose after this timeout. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose. I am Rich Dahlstrom here on TalkZone.com along with my co-host Zeke Bambolo, our very special guest today, Brian Reese, the pastor and founding pastor, I should say, of New Grace Church in Bellevue, Washington. And he was talking about his own life and how that is a living miracle when we left, when we last left you here on Motivation with a Purpose. Brian, I got to ask this question. Yeah. What's it like? What's it like every day for you to live as a living miracle? I know you touched on it briefly there before we yeah. went to break, but I want you to expound on that. What's it? What's it really yeah. like to be to be a living miracle? To be honest with you, Rich, um, I think of it quite often. Um, you know, for ten years of my life, in what I would call a very critical stage of development. You know, it's, it's adolescence, it's junior high, it's high school, it's, it's really young adulthood. Uh, you're, you're experiencing things that, that I believe can shape the rest of your, your life. And so you're developing habits, you're developing uh, ways of thinking, you're developing ways of interacting with people. And in the midst of all of that development, uh, I experienced what I would call some of the most difficult situations of my life you know, celebrating Christmas in the hospital. And no no child should have to do that. Celebrating birthdays in the hospital. Uh, more tests that, 
that I, w- I wouldn't wish upon anyone, uh, let alone a 12, 13, 14-year-old, uh, and mm-hmm. having to experience it. And I think for, for me today, what I've realized is that life is short and, uh, and relationships are all we really have in the here and the now. And, uh, and so take each day, embrace what you're given, and embrace the relationships that are around you and continue to develop them in a healthy, what I would call life-giving, so you actually enjoy them, right? That's what I mean when I say life-giving. You actually right. enjoy the people in your world. And uh, to be honest with you, I go back every once in a while, and I have that picture of me um, at 102 pounds, 6 foot, uh, you know, 19 years old, and, I, and I, I look at that picture, and that reminds me of how thankful I am for the time that I've been given. And, and really, to be honest, that's one of the main motivations and purpose behind us starting a church, behind us uh, preaching what I call the gospel, which is about Jesus and what he's done for us and who he is. Uh, those are all the reason for that is because I've been given a gift uh, of what I call my life has been extended. And so in spite of, in, in response to that, what I call miracle, you know, the doctor still can't believe um, that, that I'm living. And, and without any issues, without any drugs, without any medicine. I mean, at one point, Rich, I was on about 20 pills a day. Um, and I was taking experimental medicines that, that they didn't even know would work, but they're hoping they would work, and they didn't. So let me just tell you. Uh, wow. But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the experience. And, and really what it does is it, it goes back to this whole idea of grace and mercy. You know, one of my greatest privileges as a pastor is, is to... uh be alongside people as they go through the difficulties of life. And many times those difficulties come in a variety of unwelcome presence, right? They're not even really a presence. They're unwelcome speed bumps, and sometimes they're right. more than speed bumps. But, yeah, dealing with sickness. And so I have a great, uh, what I call, compassion or mercy or uh, empathy for those who are dealing with, with sickness. And so I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm still living, and I can come alongside those who are dealing with issues and, especially chronic issues where they just are, it's, it's long, uh, it's ongoing, it's, it seems to be never-ending, and I'm thankful that I can be an encouragement to those people because I know exactly what that is like, and, and it's difficult, and especially over the holidays. So if you're out there and you're listening today and, and you're going through some difficulties, uh, you know, make sure that you get someone in your life to come alongside of you and encourage you. And, and let me just tell you, it's going to be, okay. I remember sitting in those hospital rooms going, I don't know if I can go another day in here. And, and once again, I'm thankful for uh, the relationship I have with Jesus that allowed me to make it one more day. Brian, um, yes, another, I want to throw another twist at you and for all of us to kind of yeah. marinate on a little bit. We are talking about grace, forgiveness, mercy, and what have you in this sense that here we are. We have an opportunity to, we're still alive and breathing. We have an opportunity to, to extend that grace and mercy to someone else. Um, there is the part that we tend to forget a lot of times in these kind of discussions about the people who felt that the one that should have, could have given them that grace and that mercy is now gone and off this earth dead and they're, they, they still have that guilt that hangs over them for whatever reason. And we tend to forget those, that little component of people out there. Uh, how do we approach them, those that feel like they still have that, that guilt hanging over them for whatever reason, uh, and haven't really received that grace of mercy? I mean, 
What do we what, what, what do we have to say for them? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Zeke, and it's one I get often. And it uh, whether it's a relationship that was previously strained. Uh, I'm recalling a couple just off the top of my head of people that I've discussed with and talked with, and you know, one particular situation, it was a father and a son, and uh, now the father is gone, and the son at, at the moment was was asking me. I never got a chance to make things right. I never had an opportunity to tell them I was sorry, to work things out. And, um, you know, those are difficult uh, questions with, at times, difficult answers. And uh, because we're, we're humans, we long for interaction, right? We were designed, created for relationship with people. And when we're not able to restore or, or you know, get back to what we wanted in those particular relationships, it, it's a strain emotionally. And at times, those emotions can actually affect the physical body. And so uh, I encourage this young man to, to uh, for him personally, he had faith in Jesus. I encourage him to, to tell Jesus that what was really going on and really what I would call make peace. And, and for him, although uh, the relationship in the present wasn't uh, offered to him for that opportunity, he was able to go and talk with Jesus and, and make his, his uh, what I would call his plea, or I wish I would have done this right. I wish I could have had that moment with my father. I wish I could have said what I really wanted to say. And, and to some level, there was a state of, of peace that came over his life, and he was able to move on. And um, at times, that is probably one of the most difficult situations to deal with. And for those of you who are listening today dealing with that kind of situation, I would encourage you, find someone to talk to, find someone who can help you take those next steps and moving towards whether it's writing a letter. You know, there's times when, when there's people that have hurt me that I no longer have relationship with, and I just write a letter to. And I write the letter, and I never mail it and send it because there's no one to mail or send it to. But for me, it's my way of, of going, here's what I would have said if I would have had the opportunity. And it allows me to settle that in my heart, make peace with that situation, and continue to have a life that, that produces healthy, once again, that word, life-giving relationships that I truly can enjoy. But Brian, uh, as a pastor, I want you to kind of work on this with us as well. Isn't this the critical difference between being a believer in the grace of Christ Jesus and not? Because we have someone to dump that on. When you're not a believer, what happens? Yeah. Well, when you're not a believer, when you're not someone that I, we would we would say following Jesus, right? Um, you you don't have that person that you can go to uh, that that really is perfect. It, it, the Bible describes Jesus as sinless, spotless, perfect, uh, and it also also describes Jesus as full of wisdom or wisdom itself. And so, because of that, we have an advocate or a, a helper, a partner, someone we can go to who can give us the wisdom we need for everyday living, who can be the, um, you know, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which is a, a series we're doing right now over Christmas called Home for Christmas. It describes particular names of Jesus, and one of, one of them, my favorite, is this, Wonderful Counselor. That word, Wonderful Counselor, is a, a fabulous word in the Hebrew. It's Pele Yat, and what it means is this, a, a counselor, or a guide for life, too wonderful to describe with words. And mm. so in the person of Jesus, we have this wonderful counselor. And I always tell people, hey, 
everyone should have a counselor at some point in their life. Even pastors need a counselor. And there's no greater counselor than the person of Jesus to help you make it through the day-to-day situations that at times, as humans, can be very overwhelming. And Brian, that's why you describe uh, Jesus as the ultimate superhero. Why don't you talk a little bit about that in our remaining moments, and then then we will close up and give people an opportunity, I would like to this morning, uh, receive Christ as the ultimate Christmas gift. Yeah, in that in that passage, Isaiah chapter nine verse six, it talks about the four names of, of Jesus to be to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And uh, that word Mighty God is actually translated Mighty Hero or Jesus, the the super or superior hero. So that's where we get the term, and I coined it at our church. Jesus is the ultimate superhero. He is the one who the Bible describes is our victorious warrior. He's the one that goes before us and helps us win the battle. He's the one that we can go to when we're in the difficult situation, and he can help us make it through it. He's the superhero. And I don't know how you guys are, but growing up, I loved superheroes. I loved Batman and Spider-Man, and, and they were the greatest. And then as I got older, I discovered they weren't real, and my world was crushed. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I discovered that I was very uh, blessed to have a father who, in my opinion, could do no wrong. He could beat me at every sport, which I hated. But growing up, that was the ultimate, my view of what a hero was. He was great at everything, and he could beat me at everything, and he could lead me and answer any question that I had. And so my dad became the hero of my world. And eventually, as I got to high school and began to uh, kind of live my own life, I, I kind of put the hero thing away. And now that I'm older and, and married and, and kids are on the way, you know, I think that I've discovered that my dad still is a hero uh, because of the, the role that he's played in my life as the central figure male role model. And, and what, I, what I believe about being a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, is that Jesus is the ultimate superhero. And if you describe the word hero or define it, it's the primary role or primary male character in a film story or play and to me, as a Christian, Jesus ought to be the primary role or the primary figure at the center of our everyday living. And as you allow him to be that person, he can come in and intervene on your behalf. He grants you forgiveness, gives you grace, and in response to that, we can do that with everyone else in our world. Zeke, another great show today. I think we've thoroughly and adequately handled the topic of grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Thanks to our guest, Brian Reese from New Grace Thank Church in Bellevue, Washington. Love being here today with you guys. Well, it was a great conversation, and I want to throw this out as we close today here on Motivation with a Purpose. I think you've heard the heart of what Motivation with a Purpose is really all about. This is our Christmas show, because without Jesus Christ, that forgiveness grace and mercy will never be part of your life so we extend to you and offer you the greatest christmas gift ever given the true leader and the true hero jesus christ and we ask that you accept him today through the vehicle of the motivation with a purpose radio show amen see you ne- see you next week on talkzone.com with another exciting episode of motivation with a purpose 